0: Football is back and so is winning season at MyBookie. Use promo code Gators to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time, get a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. Head to MyBookie.ag to bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Support for Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Manscaped. Don't take a chance while trimming below the waist? Take 20% off. Get free, worldwide shipping with the code GATERS20 at Manscaped.com. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Water. You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever it is, at GatorDave underscore SEC. Same thing for my co-host Will Miles. You can find him there at Will Miles SEC and the site read and And Will, it is never a dull moment. Second episode of the day. Wardale Matt commits earlier to the Gators. Uh, and you know how we do it here. We just we we, we just chug along, you know, Fall camp. Hey, you know what? The best thing about it, I joked about it in the episode earlier. Football season might be on the horizon, but it's still recruiting season.
1: (laughs) Well, it's always recruiting season these days. (laughs) It's kind of nice, isn't it, to have a class that's ranked in the top five and – and you know hope about what might be coming in the future here for this team and you know there was somebody from Florida State on Twitter or on X the other day I saw making fun of the fact that the Gators have like four of the best 10 linebacker (laughs) prospects like you're stacking prospects there why are you wasting it I'm like I don't care it's four of the best 10 (laughs) prospects in a position I'm good to go especially since we haven't had good linebacker play in like a decade in Gainesville so you know, if, if that's what the Florida State fans have to focus on—that we're signing too many good players at one position—I think I'll, uh, I'll smile, get ready for the season, and enjoy the fact that recruiting season is, is also August through February, not just, uh, not just in June and July.
0: Yeah, that comment. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I, I am reaching as far as I possibly can right now. That, that, that's a reach. That's a reach by that Florida State fan. So, uh, yeah, whatever you got to do to cope. I mean, they, they got a good class, too. I don't know what he's – I mean, that, right, yeah, I saw that, too. It was kind of ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, anyway, second episode of the day. If you haven't checked it out yet, Wardell Mack from Louisiana, committed to the Gators. Uh, you can check that episode out after you listen uh, and watch this one right here. Hit that like button. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. Everybody, thanks for hopping on live right here on another Monday night episode. Uh, subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. Here on YouTube. Um, I think we're about – the next milestone is 12,000. I don't know if we can – about 300 away, I think, before the season starts. I just noticed that. So I don't know if we can get there before the season starts or not, but maybe we can. So share it. Oh, we it, should be it. able to get
1: there before the episode's over, man. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed, <laughs> go click on it. Come on. What are you doing?
0: <laughs> 300 away there so the, the, to, to the next milestone. But, yeah, I mean, hey, if we get it tonight, that would be awesome. But yeah, um, But, yeah, listen, all that good stuff. Share it out there. Maybe we can get there. Uh, like subscribe uh also get your breakdown plus of course uh all the stuff going on there chats going on you get all those ad free episodes you know for football season right around the corner the ads you could be rolling in if you don't want to hear me talk about manscaped or anything like that well you know there's a way to take care of that you, know, you can uh, go get your breakdown plus get those ad free episodes um if you don't bet or whatever you know you don't have to worry about it but uh, hopefully you know you support Gators breakdown by taking care of our sponsors or you can forego it Right here, Gators Breakdown Plus. Extra episodes, ad-free episodes. You get access to the Discord server, Q&A, giveaways, custom shout-outs, all that stuff. Link is in the description for Gators Breakdown Plus. So, plenty, plenty to get into this episode. I'm going to go back to the scrimmage last week, Will, and, and run that Billy Napier soundbite of what he liked from the scrimmage and what he didn't like. Uh, well, you know, the, the issues in open field tackling, and I think that's a good time to look at look at the running back room uh we'll go to the safety position as well with rj moton uh and maybe maybe we'll get we'll have time to get the tyreek sap if not i'll save uh, his thoughts uh for later on uh th- this week in an episode but uh, plenty plenty to get into uh from you know, on the hills of the first scrimmage last week I, I reviewed it a little bit i'm sure you guys at reading reaction uh, talked about it too. you you and nick and um what, what went on there in that first scrimmage but uh we got a lot to talk about here with the running back room and and, and RJ Moten back there on the back end.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly I think there's there's a lot of things that we just don't really know what we're going to see. I think safety yeah. is one of those spots where we anticipate Kamari Wilson and Miguel Mitchell are going to be a big part of it, but the the fact that they went out and got and I think, is the is the thing that you look at and say, all right, what does that really mean for the room? How do these guys play? And hearing what Napier has to say about all that is is an important part of what we're going to learn throughout fall camp and understanding not only who the starters are going to be, but what do they have in terms of depth if one of those guys happens to go down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So lots to get into safety room, but uh, let's go back. Uh, I will go back. We'll get Billy Nathan's thoughts on the scrimmage to kind of introduce, uh, you know, what we're going to do here the rest of this episode.
2: Yeah, you know, I think for the most part, I was pleased with the scrimmage. I thought we could have in space. We didn't necessarily tackle as well as maybe we would like in the secondary. Um, but I think I do think that um, there was a lot of quality football in terms of the precision you know the the film is cleaner you know i do think some of the players we were without affected the the quality of the twos in my opinion you know because of the depth but uh, there's a mixture of lineups out there with those groups but i think when we put our first group out there it's starting to look what it's supposed to look like um and then don't get me wrong i mean there there's a lot of players in that second group that do a really good job. I just think we had we had a handful of players out that affected the depth, the quality of the scrimmage in that regard.
0: Uh well so Florida posted some highlights of the fir- of that first scrimmage right there on social media. So uh, I'm gonna play a couple of these highlights. I'll we'll probably have to replay it a couple of times because uh went and handpicked out what Billy Napier was talking about there. And the the open field tackles and hey look you're gonna most you see most of these because of it was what the running backs were doing. Montreal Johnson Trevor ETN uh, just highlight galore there you see him breaking tackles stiff arms breaking more tackles I mean there you you see it over and over again uh, and look it, it mainly mainly come from the running back spots and I mean, that had to be you know not, not trying to connect too many dots there but you know those highlights there probably go hand in hand with what Billy Napier saw uh, right there in, in, in that first scrimmage so Hey, look, not, not surprised. Will, it goes two ways. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to see my running backs doing that. I love to see Trevor Etienne. I love to see Montreal Johnson doing that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it, it goes back to just the bad memories we have of this secondary not being the open field tackle. Uh, Trey Dean lately, uh, Torrance lately, Donovan Steiner lately as well. You know, just going back to recent history here, it's just been way too long since we've had play on the back end in that safety room. Uh, that you know where it just has not been up to to to, to a level there so uh it's hard to know that that's the beauty of of spring practice and or not necessarily the beauty of it but the the puzzling part of spring practice fall camp you're going against yourselves one side does one thing good the other side does things bad at the same time hard to know where to take it but we do have some highlights right there that thing go along with what billy napier was trying
1: to say there yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it's always a question of which side of the double-edged sword is it. The only thing is, is you can't tell in any of those highlights you showed whether those those were counters. Because if they were counter plays, then I'd be really disturbed. But... Um, look, I mean, fall camp, it's hard to get up for it. You start to get tired. The running backs still feel strong, especially if you're rotating three or four guys in there. Um, and yeah, those are really skilled players. In fact, that's the place on offense where we point at and say, I really, really, really hope this is the strength of the offense because it should be given the fact that that these guys are, are have already shown that they can be really effective players in the SEC. Now, it does suggest that in some ways the offensive line is doing some stuff too, right? These guys are getting downfield into the secondary but again it's the secondary's job to get those guys on the ground and and the highlights you're showing there yeah some of that is the running backs but some of that is guys who are tentative when they're going to tackle some of that is guys who just aren't wrapping up and uh you know i i don't anticipate that every problem we saw last year is going to be solved like anyone who expects this to be a top 10 or top 15 defense has seen some film from Austin Armstrong that I didn't see when he was at Southern Mississippi. I think Armstrong is going to be the kind of guy who goes for a big time kill shot, and he's also going to be the guy who gives up a bunch of big plays. And part of that is going to be exacerbated if the team can't tackle in the back end. So, um, you know, I, I, again, is it the running backs? It's it's good that it's running backs that it's not wide receivers who are busting through the tackles. <laughs> I suppose, but uh, you know. It, it, yeah. I mean, you just can't tell because of the way it is in camp. And uh, I, again, I will say that the one good thing is, is it feels like the running backs in those highlights are getting into open space, which suggests that yeah. the that the offensive line is at least holding its own because given some of the injuries that they've had on the offensive line, some of the guys they've had to hold out, all that sort of stuff, you would figure that would be a unit that's struggling. And so, hey, if the running backs are getting downfield, then good. That 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 bodes well for, uh, for Florida's offensive line
0: absolutely so you saw it there in the highlights we're talking running backs here let's get to hear from Trevor Etienne and we did not get to hear from him a good bit last year you know him being a true freshman Trevor Etienne being that true freshman and Billy Napier kind of his rule of kind of keeping the the true freshman sheltered from the media just a bit you know I think Twitter spaces and stuff he was around that about a year ago but now we get to hear uh, from Trevor Etienne in front of the media uh, dating back to spring a little bit and here in fall camp as well so here's Etienne on his first year and the transition to year two.
3: I feel like that comes with development. I mean, I'm getting older, I'm learning. I know how to prepare my body, know how to recover, treat, how to treat, how to get treatment. So I feel like definitely like becoming a better person, better athlete with the building, definitely comes with progress. So I feel like I just started playing a game of football when I got here, but like, just like with coaching, like my past protection, I had to learn that. I mean, coming from high school, we ran the veer. We're just running the ball a lot. So definitely pass protection is something I feel like I should need to improve on most. I think we made a lot about your, you know, your abilities as a running back, but as a blocker, how do you think you've improved a year ago? Just like I said, more attention to detail, knowing which guy to block, communication with the O-line. Like, they've been helping me a lot recently just by communicating with me before the snap. So, like, now I know which guy to block, know which possible threats are coming. So I feel like that has gotten better, and that'll help my pass game
0: all right where he wants to improve the most well by pass blocking and good for him you know he says hey we got to go back to my high school days and we're running the veer you know we're, we're, we're running the ball a lot i don't have to pass protect and you know now he's sitting out venturing uh and trying to garner help from an offensive line You know and to help communication there i mean look he's a true freshman there there's a lot to learn i mean he's game one out there versus utah making plays making highlight runs making highlight catches and but. And not disappointed by any means if he's got room to grow <laughs> as a pass blocker. It's nothing that really stands out as a as a huge weakness that we saw last year. But, yeah, if you're going to be that all-around back, if you're going to be in this main rotation there with Montrell Johnson, we want to see Trevor Etienne on the field as much as possible. And the way we're going to see him on the field as much as possible is growing as a player, developing as a player, and really that next step. We know he's the playmaker. I mean, can he get better as a pure running back? Sure. Uh, uh, he, he, he'll even admit that. Don't get me wrong, he, he doesn't have a long way to go. <laughs> he, he did pretty good last year. But if we're going to sit here and say, hey, where can he get better? Where do we want to see him on the field even more? where it's less predictable for a defense? Let's get, you know, let's get that pass block in there a little bit better as well with the, the experience that he can get there now in his second year.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he was allowed to make mistakes last year in many ways because Anthony Richardson was able to bail everybody out. Um, You know, the Florida offense didn't go up a whole lot of sacks last year, but sometimes that was because Richardson was faster than anybody on the field, and he was able to really take advantage of that and get out of troubling situations where maybe he shouldn't have. So, you know, if you were the running back and you missed a block, yeah, that's something you go and look at on film, but it didn't kill you. This year with Graham Mertz, that's going to kill you. Like, it's going to be a sack if you completely blow an assignment, if you don't if you don't stone the guy who comes in on a blitz, if you don't give him the time to get the ball out, um, I I think, or if you don't know what your hot read is, right? Because sometimes it's not necessarily the running back who's picking up the guy. Sometimes he's the outlet. He's the guy who, when when the quarterback gets in trouble, is going to get the pass. So knowing what your assignment is, knowing where to go, all that's a huge part of playing that position. In fact, I can remember four or five years ago, Jordan Scarlett not playing very much, and Mm -hmm. people kept asking, why is Scarlett not playing? And then every time you saw him, and pass protection. He went, well, that's why he's not playing. And then he got way better at it. And all of a sudden, he was a really effective weapon for Florida a year or two after that. And so it's great that ETN is recognizing that knows that that's what he needs to do. And then, you know, but he's also competing for time with a guy who's who's pretty skilled in his own right. And so I don't necessarily expect that Florida going to all of a sudden turn the reins over to him and Montreal Johnson is going to be in the background. I think what's going to end up happening is going to be a lot like what we saw last year, to me, the question at the running back position is who's going to be able to step up in the passing game? Because there are going to be a lot of times where that outlet pass that just wasn't taken last year is going to be open. And that is a tease for later, Will. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so that's to I me mean, the question, right? I mean, yeah, you got to know pass protection, but more than anything, you just have to know your assignment because Graham Mertz, for all the things that he does well, their mobility is not one of them and so he's not going to buy extra time he's not going to float around in the pocket waiting for some guy to come open 30 yards downfield and even if the guy does come open 30 yards downfield he doesn't have the same arm Anthony Richardson does heck nobody in the NFL has that kind of arm so um, you know so it's just gonna be different which means that assignment football is going to be way more important this year so it's good to hear him talking about that.
0: Yeah, good point. Definitely be more instrumental this year without the the, the mobile quarterback. And you know, I'm, I think Grant Morris is athletic and, and and can escape, but not the level of what we were accustomed to he ran for
1: he had negative rushing yards over (laughs) over his career and negative rushing yards in every year um every year that he was the quarterback there at wisconsin the grant
0: right yeah yeah, there you
1: go but i mean anthony richardson ran for like 600 yards last year so there's a major difference between those two guys specifically and and look mertz is not a statue it's not you know Chris Winky back there or something, but it's also um he's not gonna be if a if a defensive end goes free, like on that two point conversion for Utah last year where Richardson spun out of it and then well, you know, kind of faked it and then made the third of the corner. That play ain't happening. If we leave a defensive end unblocked, the two point conversion just isn't happening, and that's okay, right? I mean, there's there's only one Anthony Richardson, and there were times that he was awesome last year, and there were times that he wasn't. That's not what they're going to be asking from Mertz or anyone else on the roster, right? They're going to be asking for all of these guys to do their job more consistently than they did last year, and you know whether that turns into a better product overall, I don't know, but I suspect we won't get the stinkers like we did in the second half against Florida State and the second half against Kentucky but we also don't get the big-time plays that you get in like the first half against Florida State, and so there's that balance. Well,
0: interesting. I I talked heavy about this um, Friday uh, when it was the the uh, post-scrimmage press conference, and Trevor Etienne was asked about it. We'll we'll, we'll feature just him before we we zoom back out to the running backs as a whole, Uh, but here's his thoughts on him being kick returner for the Gators. And we're all gonna come back on the other side and ask you a question about
3: it. Like just me just paying more, like watching more film with kickoff returns. Me just paying more attention to it. Like last year I could say like, I wasn't as bought like locked in as I should have been. I mean, being a freshman coming from high school, I didn't watch as much film as I needed to. So just being like on myself, staying more on myself.
4: What, what do you think are the potential for the return units this year? and? Maybe for you in particular, I mean, do you want to pop one or what, what's your goals?
3: I mean, of course, we, we all want to score a touchdown, kickoff return. But I mean, just working hard in practice and staying dedicated to the grind. I feel like that'll come with the success, will uh, come with that. So I feel like as long as we stay locked in and focus on what we need to do as a team, good things will happen.
0: All right, Will, question I uh, asked myself. And I'll see if you agree, disagree, fan base can, you know, our listeners here can, can chime in as well. Do you want to see Trevor Etienne on kickoff return? Is he too valuable as a running back? where you don't want to take the risk and he gets injured or do you, and the way I fought with it, I have, don't have a problem with it. We don't know how explosive this offense can be. We don't know how successful this offense can be. If they are starting drives at the 40 yard line near midfield, that might be their pathway to scoring more. You know, instead of 10, 12 play drives, you're whittling it down to six, seven, eight play drives because you're starting drives near midfield. And when Trevor Etienne got on the field last year as a kick returner, you saw immediate improvement at that position.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think whenever you're asking this question, you have to ask compared to what? So <laughs> good, if, point, good point. <laughs> so if Eugene Wilson turns out to be a guy who can take the ball to the house for kickoff yes. returns, then no, I don't want to see Trevor Etienne returning kicks. But if those guys are not are not just head and shoulders better than him, then yes, because that is the deepest position on the team. So even if Etienne were to go down, hopefully he doesn't. But even if he did go down with an injury, you still have Montreal Johnson, Cam Carroll, and then Tryon Webb coming off the bench. there as 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 depth the other thing is where running backs tend to get hurt they tend to get hurt when they're getting brought down in a scrum and you end up with like a high ankle sprain (laughs) or they get a concussion because somebody comes a linebacker comes in from the side and hits them right in the helmet with a shoulder pad or a knee or a helmet or something like that like It's the scrum. It's the it's the it's the not seeing the hit coming that seems to be the thing that injures running backs. So ETN's gonna see that when he's returning kickoffs, right? Is he moving fast? Absolutely. But you know, he's also skilled at doing that and skilled like he he's one of those guys who sort of avoids contact. So I'm not really that worried. And then the third thing is is that we've had multiple discussions about the depth at the wide receiver position. I'm assuming that's who you'd have in there as a Mm -hmm. kick returner if you didn't have ETN. And there's no depth there. At all, right? I mean, you can't have Pierce returning kicks. Like if he gets injured, oh my goodness, he's, what are you doing? now? he's, he's going to be, he is going to be returning punts. Well, and we'll, we'll see together. about we'll see about that. I, yeah. I think I think one turned ankle, or or <laughs> or or one time where Merch just chucks one up to him, and and he brings down a prayer, and they go, hmm, maybe he's a little bit too valuable. Now it gets Utah. Maybe that's what you do, right? Because you feel like yeah. you need that extra edge, and that I think is the other thing there, Dave, is that they don't have the luxury of putting in a less talented player in a position that can change the game. This team is not good enough to bring it to go, oh, well, we'll turn down Six points in this game because of field position, even if two kick returns turns into field goal, right? They just they they aren't gonna have that luxury. They're gonna play a lot of close games. They're gonna rely on Graham Mertz to keep it close. They're gonna ask him to manage the game and not turn the ball over. They're gonna ask the defense to get a couple of big plays, and they're gonna try to win a bunch of games 20 to 17 or 17 to 13. I don't think they want to win a bunch of games 38 to 35, and I'm not sure they have the capability of winning the games 38 to 35, at least on a regular basis, which means – you got to get every edge you can. And one of those edges is ETN is a good kick return, might even be an elite kick return. And so to just go, well, I'm going to take away one of the things he does well, because I'm afraid he might get hit. Well, with that logic, then you should never give him the ball as a running back because he might get injured. Right? (laughs) I mean, at some point, you got to put the guy out there and say, like, your goal as an offensive coordinator is to get Trevor ETN the ball in space. Yep. So when the ball's kicked off to him, you've just achieved getting Trevor ETN the ball in space. So why would you take that away? So I I get it. I understand. If you have someone behind him who's better, then yeah, I would love to see him as a running back exclusively, but there, there's not the margin with this team that I think they're going to be able to do that. I think they're going to have to eke out every single point they get. They're going to have to earn every single point they get. Now, I think they can do that against some of the teams on their schedule. And I think that some of the other teams have holes in their, in their rosters, just like Florida does, it. they have to answer those questions. But Florida's already answered the question last year about who their best kick returner is. It was pretty yeah. clearly ETN. And so to take away that, that, to take away that weapon it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. Did, until I see what this offense does, and hey, look, I mean, maybe you know Trey Wilson comes out there and he is you know the better kick return, like you said. Then okay, you, you, you do that. But uh, we do know we at least at bare minimum have a pretty good kick return here uh, in Trevor ETN. So all right, let's zoom back out. We'll go back to the running backs and what Trevor ETN's thoughts are on that room starting would transfer Cam Carroll.
3: That's just the knowledge and experience. Like he's, he's been in college longer than any one of us. So he, he's been through things that we haven't, so we can ask him questions and he can like kind of help us and guide us through those situations. So just having a, that older guy in the room definitely helps a lot. He seems very comfortable catching the ball. What What's he bring just in terms of you know, physical abilities? I feel like Cam is an all around back. I mean, at times, I feel like he doesn't know how big he is, and I mess with him all the time for that. But I feel like he's a well-rounded back. I mean, bigger guy, too. I feel like he comes downhill. I mean, I know I wouldn't want to tackle him. So I just feel like, yeah, he's a well-rounded back. I think Montrell mentioned that he was even picking up things from Cam, that Cam was giving him, you know, pointers on his game. Have you picked up anything from him? Has he given you advice that's helped already? Definitely. I mean, one of the greatest things about our running back room is we all learn from each other, like, we can take information from the freshmen and apply it to our game. And just like coming from Cam, the guy, we can learn from him, too. So I feel like having all of us to help each other is definitely, a, a, I can say, a, a tool that helps us be a better. Even though you're only a second-year guy, are you right. helping Trayon at all? Are you giving him instructions? And, and where's he at right now in your mind? I feel like Trayon is definitely like he's one he of the real rounded backs, too. I feel like we're at a point where we all want to see each other do great. So we're all helping each other and pushing each other to be the best that we can be.
5: You guys don't have any like, goals that you guys set for yourselves as a duo, but do you just have a mindset going into this year about what you guys want to accomplish? Yeah, I mean,
3: I feel like once you set goals, you set a limit on yourself. So we, we want to set no limits. The sky is the limit, and that's footprints on the moon. So, I mean, we just, whatever happens, happens. And we just want to be the best that we can be. So we push each other daily.
0: Man, well, I, I pumped up there. I mean, Trevor Etienne is really good on the mic and coming right there was, man. We don't no. There's there's no stat measure or anything. We're, we're not going to limit ourselves. It don't matter what number we put there. We're, we're going to exceed it. I, I, I like that. I like the mindset there from from the from the sophomore second year running back here for the Gators. But we'll, we'll get to Cam more Cam Carroll in just a moment because we'll, we'll hear from him too. But. Where I wanted to go with this is uh, let's go back to a year ago just a bit and the way the season started and it was pretty clear it was pretty clear Billy Napier wanted to use three running backs at the beginning of last year Naquan Wright Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. we all saw them um, a good bit in that Utah game early in the season as well and as the season whittled on it got you know it, the, the 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 carries got whittled down and it was mainly just. ETN and Johnson carrying the load uh, from the backfield. But it was clear early that I think if Billy Napier would have had his preference, he would have been using three backs and keeping those guys fresh. But those Johnson, ETN were head and shoulders the more productive backs. You they needed the ball more than any other running backs in their in their hands. But now Cam Carroll coming in, I, mean, I think it really does give Florida that three-headed monster again. And I know we're all excited about the duo of Johnson and ETN. And I think when this season's over with, they will have the bulk of the carries. But I do think you know now there's probably going to be a little more confidence in getting a, a third back carries throughout the season and not just a portion of the season.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, Naquan Wright was was a player who really didn't, necessarily fit the scheme that these guys were trying to run in terms of that zone blocking scheme put your foot in the ground and go north and south he was much more of a guy who wants to get the outside uses speed somebody who was going to be a threat in the passing game and with some of the limitations for anthony richardson the passing game side of it never really worked out Um, but he did give them sort of that threat right where you might throw it to him and you had to worry about that i think that's the thing that you're going to have to see develop with the three guys now carol Johnson and and ETN is that they're one of them is going to have to be a threat. Hopefully, all of them a threat in the passing game where they can open things up that way. I do think that you'll probably see more two running back sets because you think about what Billy Napier has done previously, where he's had you know twelve personnel, where he's doing where he's doing a lot of stuff with tight ends. Well, you can do kind of similar stuff with running backs who are skilled if they can block. And so if those guys can block, if they can sort of um, you know at least approximate what a fullback would be some of the time then all of a sudden having two running backs back there can really be a two-headed monster where the defense doesn't know what to do because those guys are too physical for the linebackers and too fast for the linebackers as well and and too physical for the safeties and so i think that's that's a couple of things that that uh you know we can be looking for um but in terms of like three of them yeah i think they're you go, I go back to who are the most talented players on the field. And last year, the most talented players on the field were Johnson, Etienne, and, and Anthony Richardson. And those guys got the ball a lot. So if Carroll steps in and shows that he's just as talented, okay, that's cool. Now you got to find some other guys to go along with that. But they're all going to get their shots because the reality is, is that, um, for all the benefits that we got from having that two-headed monster last year, once Naquan Wright was sort of sequestered to a couple of carries a game, having another guy who could come in and pop and punish the defense and just make the defense go cheese, another fresh guy <laughs> coming in gives you sort of that. I mean, it's a lot like, and and it was done a different way, but that 2012 team with Gillislee, where in the fourth quarter he just absolutely obliterated LSU, and he did the same thing to Florida State later in the year. That is a possibility when you've got three guys like this, because all of a sudden in the third quarter, when the defense is like, "Hey, that guy finally needs a blow because he just ran a twenty-five yard run," it's like, "Oh, they bring in somebody who's just as fresh who can who can run over you as well." So, yeah, I mean, I expect them to go all three. I still think it's going to be Johnson and Etienne one-one-a with Carroll probably as the as. I don't want to say change of pace, but is the guy who's sort of brought in to really drop the shoulder and drop the hammer on the defense when you think you need that. Um, but Carroll didn't come here to not play. And so um he's he's he he's gonna get some carries, and I'm sure he was promised some carries based on based on his film and what they expect. And yeah, like you said, they had three guys last year, but it's so hard for me to imagine that they're gonna do that they're gonna take the ball out of ETN and Johnson's hands, right? Like if you're thinking about like um, you know, every coach always has that. You got to get the ball to that guy list. And when I start going down the line, the line on the offense, like Etienne is the number one guy that I want to yeah. get the ball to Johnson is the number two guy. I want to get the ball to Pierce. is the number three guy I want to get the ball to, and it may end up being that, that cam Carroll is the number four guy on that list. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's hard when you've got a guy, when you've got guys at one position, especially when you've got guys who are on that, I want to get him the ball list because running backs especially, right, if if the offensive line isn't playing great, if somebody gets hit behind the line of scrimmage, it doesn't give you that opportunity to turn, to sort of establish yourself, get your rhythm, and all of a sudden turn into a big, big game. So like that that run last year against South Carolina that ETN had, like those sorts of gashes, they happen, but, but let's be honest, I think ETN is a little bit more slippery than Montrell Johnson. So if you had Johnson in there, does that turn into a – you know, does that turn into a 30 yard run rather than an 80 yard run? I, I just don't know. And and so I look at it and I go, I want ETN to get the ball as much as humanly possible, but I want him to get the ball against Georgia and LSU and Florida State. And so if that means that we're giving Carroll the ball against Kentucky and Tennessee, hey, that's that's fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Go back and then, you know, we'll, we'll come back to Cam Carroll, but you look at his numbers, just attempts 72 in 2019, 122 in 2019. And 111 and 21. Yeah, I mean he's he's used to getting the rock. He's used to he's used to getting the ball and uh, you know injured uh, a bit last year. And now comes to Florida, and we'll see uh, what he does. But we'll hear from him. Um, you know, just coming up in in just a second. But hey, man, it's football season, and I know everybody is really waiting to get those bets in. Football is back, and so is winning season at my bookie NFL college and a brand new cash out system to give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to mybookie.ag now and register for a free account. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code Gators to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code Gators to claim your deposit bonus, and for a limited time, you get a free chip to use in the MyBookie casino. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And support for Gators breakdown is also brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping with the code Gators20. At manscape.com. That delivery of the performance package 4.0 comes in that beautiful box and lets you know right away that the modern man is a man who takes care of himself. Manscaping isn't just for live special occasions, it's a requirement for optimal health, superior hygiene, and healthy self esteem. You now have the right tools for a safe and precise grooming in the hard to navigate sensitive groin area, plus post trimming products to keep your boys dry and fresh all day long. Well, that Performance Package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the fourth-generation waterproof trimmer, features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker, the nose and ear trimmer that actually works. And guys, right now, we know it's hot out there. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Make sure you stay fresh in all that heat. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code Gators20 at Manscaped.com. One more time, that's 20% off, plus free worldwide shipping with the code Gators20 at Manscaped.com. All right, back to it. Back to football talk right here. We're going to continue with these running backs. And yeah, we'll get to Cam, Carroll. First time we get to hear from him as a Gator. And all about, you know, him transferring to Florida and far to get a running back room.
5: For me, uh, entering the portal, it was a, a kind of well thought out decision. And once I entered, um, Coach DeLoop reached out to me, I sent him my transcript and I uh, talked with Coach Napier and it just, it felt like home. Um, being able to be in a room with, you know, guys like Trevor Montrell, it obviously would fear a lot of people, but me personally, I took it as an opportunity to not only learn from them, but to also grow.
4: What, what is that whole kind of share the ball mentality in there? I mean, Treyon had a couple of great runs one practice. Week, we were able to see the whole thing, too. So it's pretty deep run. Yes, sir. Uh, we, we learn from each other. We, we boost each other up. We
5: have uh, a very loving, very tight relationship within that room. We always hang out. We always help each other whenever we can. And, you know, most importantly, we cheer each other on. Yeah. Each other's biggest fans.
4: Well, it was Trevor was saying there's a, and I think Montrella said it too that you offer kind of a mentor role, a little yes, bit of sir. experience. I mean, you were in high, you, you're you're in the class of 2018. You've been around.
5: Yes, <laughs> sir. So uh, just being an older guy in the room, uh, I've I played a lot of football. I've been around for a while. So, you know, I sometimes try to try to help them, you know, understand and find their reads quicker, uh, being able to help them get out. Uh, helping them with techniques, different things of that matter. Just being able to, to help them with their game so we can all help each other.
2: Everybody looks at you as 230-pound back and they think, okay, you're a between-the-tackles guy. What do you do that's going to surprise people?
5: Uh, a lot of people would be surprised to know that I, I, I've hit just about right at 22 miles per hour at 230. So I might, I might be big, but I can also, if I get out on the edge, you're still going to have a hard time.
0: Well, we saw a glimpse of it in the spring game a little bit. You know, that speed and that agility that he brings and hurtling people in the spring game. And, hey, uh, I'm excited to see the guy. You know, honestly, of course, like all of us out there, we probably didn't know much about Cam Carroll coming from Tulane. Uh, and then he transfers to Florida. And I think we all started doing a little bit of digging and, and all that. But, you know, good to hear from him and also, you know, what he likes. And, hey, another element of speed to this offense. But, you know, all-around back. You heard ETN call him an all-around back. And I think we've kind of – put that label of a physical maybe even bruising type of runner but man 22 miles an hour around the edge I mean maybe he's fibbing a little bit but I mean I'm sure I'm sure it's uh I'm sure it's documented somewhere that uh, that that he's got that 22 mile an hour speed so hey I I, maybe at some point maybe in just a couple of weeks when Florida's on the road at Utah we get to see that 22 mile an hour speed around the edge out there from Cam Carroll.
1: I mean, we'll find out, right? I think football speed is different than straight line speed anyway, especially at the running back position. Um, you know, a good example, and, and obviously not a running back, but a good example is Kadarius Tony a couple of years ago where all of a sudden, like, he completely changes direction and the defense is left just just grasping for air. And so in many ways, that's one of the things that you want to see in a running back is the ability to change directions and or run over people, right? I think Carroll has shown in some of his tape that he's capable of running over people, um, the Question is going to be is going to be how many opportunities is he given and how many opportunities are the running backs given to do that? I do think it's interesting they're basically like calling him the old man in the room. So he <laughs> he, come, he comes in he's embracing that role which is interesting. But uh, you know I mean he's what twenty two years old something like that. And he's and he's ancient now. I mean that that is interesting when you think about it that way because there are not a lot of guys who classify as seniors. On this team in general, there's there's only six that I have that were classified as seniors, and and you know Zipper is one of the guys who's hurt. You got Lindell Hudson who's a transfer coming in. You got Xanders and Pearsall on the offensive side, and everybody else is either a junior, sophomore, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, and. Um, You know what that means is, is that a guy like Carroll has played a ton of football compared to these other guys, and you know he says it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, you've been around for a little while, you're kind of an older player, and I'm like, oh yeah, there aren't any older players around. Like the only guy you could go to and ask for that kind of level of experience out on the field is Pearsall. He's the only guy who's played that many games, and it's a completely different position. So when you think about Johnson and Etienne Webb and who they can go to to ask about different situations in the game, it absolutely is Cam Carroll. He, he is somebody who has a level of experience that just none of the rest of them have. And, and given that they're breaking in a new offensive line at just about every position other than center and maybe right tackle, um, Given that they're breaking in those guys, there's going to be some mistakes made up front. And so I think Carol coming from Tulane probably could teach them how to deal with that a little bit better, right? That, that, um, he's gonna, you know, he's coming from a program where I'm sure there were missed blocks from time to time or they were playing against teams that were just more physical than them and unable to hold up, and he will have experience in how to deal with the – because that that's the thing, right? I mean, I think most people can deal with the success. The question is, how do you deal with the failure when things aren't going your way? And is Carroll going to be able to sort of be that guiding force or the guiding light that allows the guys to get through a game where maybe they're struggling? Because we saw last year against Oregon State, that just wasn't the case, right? When they couldn't get the running game going at all – then it wasn't like all of a sudden they popped a couple of runs. It was just the running game kind of went away, and you know, you know it's just late in the season. Too. I mean Vanderbilt,
0: you know the next last game in the season, they couldn't run the
1: ball hardly. Yeah, so I mean now look, some of that's on the offensive line, but some of that is yeah. your the running back has to make somebody miss, right? Like you got to make the play when it's there. Um, you can't get tripped up. To you know, to where you get a four-yard gain when it could have been forty, and uh, you know, I think Carroll brings a level of experience that hopefully keeps the not too high, not too low when it comes to the emotional spectrum. Right, and I'm not sure that Etienne and Johnson really need that that much. It seems like they're kind of old souls. But again, when I go back and think about it, like you know, they're joking about him being old, but when you actually look at, he is like <laughs> <in> compared, to, <laughs> compared to everybody else on the offensive side of the ball, he he's got more snaps than anybody. And so you know, not just the running backs. I think the other guys on the offense should be able to lean into that a little bit too, because he's not going to be intimidated when he gets in the huddle in a tough situation. He's been in all the different situations at the college level that you can imagine. And so um, I, I expect Harold to be able to bring some of that stability.
0: I mean, good point too. I mean, you. I think you glossed over uh, one important guy who has a whole ton of snaps, and that's one quarterback, Graham Mertz, as well. So, <laughs> uh, you know, a, ton, a ton of snaps there. Kingsley at center. I mean, you know, Carroll, Pearsall. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, overall, there's not a lot of experience on this team. You're relying on a lot of guys who don't have a lot of snaps, but uh, in in key situations on offense, they center, quarterback running back receiver, you know, there, there's one there uh, that you can uh, that point to that have a lot of snaps. And, well, I'll go back to the – he's probably the you know, we'll, – we'll label him number th- number three running back, of course. Uh, and hopefully it is a three-headed monster here. But, you know, the, three, the, the third running back, probably there's a little more value on it this year because, you know, you don't have the running quarterback. You don't have a quarterback. Now, I know Anthony Richardson was very inconsistent in that role last year. We all wanted him to carry the ball just a bit more. But – Now you're not going to have a quarterback taking 5, 10, 12 carries a game and basically being your third running back. Your third running back is actually going to be a third running back this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there's been some stuff in camp where they've had some wide receivers back in the backfield. and so They're clearly preparing to do some stuff where they're going to try to put the defense in some conflict by having more than one guy back there. So the idea that they're just going to sit there with a quarterback in the shotgun – running read option RPO, um, you know, type actions. One, the quarterback this year, Mertz, again, has his good qualities, but he's not somebody who's gonna hold that defensive end in in a way that Anthony Richardson does at all, which means you're gonna have to do different things off of that, which also means you might not run the exact same type of actions. And and you know, the goal of the offense is not to get the quarterback out on the edge. The goal on the offense is to put the defense in conflict. So if you've got two running backs back there and you sort of fake that run up the middle and then can pitch it to the outside to get another running back on the edge, well, you just had the same effect of holding that defensive end, right? Because now the defensive end can't crash. Because there might be a pitch that goes outside and all of a sudden there's a big play out there. So yes, the quarterback run game is going to be significantly limited compared to what it was last year. But if Billy Napier is as good as, as we think he might be on offense in terms of designing plays and things like that, he's going to find a way to put the defense in conflict by having... Interesting personnel packages out there to get the same effect, which is get a guy out in space who's more physical, faster than faster than the linebacker and stronger than the safety. Get that guy out there in space by putting the defense in conflict, and some of that will be some of the quick game stuff that Graham Mertz is really good at. Mm-hmm. So Graham Mertz is really good when you try RPO, to, my friend, RPU when, when, you, <laughs> when you're trying to get the ball out quick, right? Absolutely. And these guys, if they pop it for eight yards every time you hand it to them. Well, the RPO becomes a whole lot more effective, right? Now, if you're just stopping the run with six guys up front and you can drop a safety and you can have guys deep, well then the RPO becomes a lot less effective. Those windows get a lot smaller. And when those windows get smaller, you're gonna start to see some of the limitations with Mertz. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I fully anticipate them to use the running back position as an area to put the defense in conflict. I think they're going to do that somewhat with some of the wide receivers um, you know, in in order to sort of get more of a passing-type feel out of some of those configurations as well. But that's going to be what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to, in some ways, trick defenses into giving up their position to open up some other stuff, and the running backs could be a big part of that.
0: Yep, and the running backs could be a big part of that in the passing game. Out of the backfield, Will, here is Carroll and ETN on the running back passing game.
4: Yep. Kevin Brockway, uh, Gainesville Sun. Um, seems like also your ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, I know you had one pretty good season at Tulane. What kind of element do you think you can bring there in terms of, uh, that, uh, of that aspect of the game? Um,
5: just being able to catch out of the backfield, is. I feel like it's, it's become more and more evident in the game of football today that we play. So just being able to to, my, to uh, lock in on those minor details, being able to focus on catching the ball, working with the wide receivers also helps because you know they work on catching the ball each and every day. They they get the balls a lot. So just being able to be around them and learn those kind of fundamental things and add those to my game. Yeah. Ball swamp two four seven.
4: I think Montrell had mentioned at, right before the beginning of camp that Florida hadn't thrown the ball a lot to the wide to the running back unit, but that he expected that was gonna be a little bit more of the season. Was that an attractive thing that that led you here maybe Florida being a little more inclined to utilize the running backs in, in the passing game this
5: season? Um, I mean just being able to to be in the SEC to be able to be a part of such a great program is what really attracted me to this school um, and also you know the two guys that were returning you know I know that you know Florida is big on running the ball and spreading the ball out so that was another aspect but just most importantly being able to be a part of such a great program.
4: It looks like they're thrown to the backs in practice a lot. Maybe I just didn't notice that in the spring or last year. Do you feel like that's, Montreal said he thinks it's going to be more of an aspect to of this offense. Where, where do you fit in there and are you excited about that?
3: I'm definitely excited. It's just a way to use your weapons. I mean, uh, we have a great offense, great, great weapons, great players. And I feel like the more we create space for our athletes, I feel like we have a better opportunity to score a touchdown.
0: There we go. Speed in space. Will. kind of sounds like what we might get here from these running backs in this passing game. And you know, Harrison brings up a good point. Cam is probably the best pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, he's definitely got a chance to 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 show it more. And hopefully, we will be saying that about Etienne and Johnson as well. And you know, kind of pick your poison right here uh, with this Florida Gator running back room as far as the passing game goes. But guys, I, we absolutely have seen it. And you know, whether it be the open practice and your know, word from scrimmage, word from the open portions of practice. Uh, and, you know, the, the warm-ups going on, you, you can see it. You know, they're, they're catching more passes in warm-ups. Uh, you, know, you heard uh, the reporters there saying, you know, maybe we didn't notice it before, but we certainly notice it now, uh, that, you know, you can certainly tell uh, that, uh, that the running backs are going to be involved or in the passing game a bit. All the running backs have talked about it so far as well. So it's not really some gigantic hidden secret that this may be a revelation for the offense this year. Uh, and, we all, I I want to go back. And I talked about this on Twitter. I think it was last week, and I, and I talked about it on Gators Breakdown Plus um, there. So some people may have missed it last week, but you know this could change with the type of quarterback you have. And of course, you know you have an athletic running quarterback. They're going to take some of those chances away. But uh, you know now with an, not as athletic quarterback like Graham Mertz compared to what Billy Napier has previously had, maybe you do see the offense open up a bit more in the running back passing game. So, Will, throughout the history, you had at Billy Napier in 2018, and I forget who the quarterback was. I meant to go back and look, but I forgot. But it wasn't Levi Lewis yet. Uh, And I believe it was more of a pocket passer at Louisiana in his first year before Levi Lewis. And Trevor Goss had 25 receptions that year as a running back. Elijah Mitchell had 20. So, you had 45 total receptions from the running back spot in 2018, Levi Lewis takes over. You get your more athletic quarterback. Elijah Mitchell only has 10. Raymond Calais only has 10. And Rod Goss only goes down to six. So you went from 45 total in 18 to in 19, you had 26 total. Uh, now 18, there, there were a couple more, that was just the top two backs. And that's kind of where it was, but two backs gave you 45, three backs only gave you 26 in 19. You go to 2020 picked up a bit there. Mitchell, Chris Smith both had 16, there's your 32 right there. Uh, then Rogas had nine, so it was 41, but still short of uh, 2018, where it was only two players. It took three players to get to, uh, you know, over 40 and 20. And in 2021, Imani Bailey had 15 receptions. Smith had 14. Montre Johnson had six. Uh, and then in 2022, his first year at Florida, Anthony Richardson, that quarterback, of course, Johnson only had 12 catches last year. ETN had nine. So you go back to first years, first year at Louisiana, 45 catches between the top two running backs. And at Florida, the top two running backs only had 21. So a big start comparison. I'm sure quarterbacks, style of quarterbacks has a lot to do with that. So there is a little bit of history, Will, that Billy Napier will pass to the running backs.
1: Yeah, so I mean that that year you were talking about in 2018 at Louisiana was Andre Nunez was okay. the quarterback for Louisiana. He had 56 rushing attempts for negative 15 yards. <laughs> so we we're not talking about a mobile guy. And and I think what it what it really suggests is that when you have a mobile quarterback, it's a risk to blitz him, right? Especially if it's mm-hmm. a guy who can't pick you apart. <laughs> and and do that strategically. And I think that's sort of what we saw with Anthony Richardson is that if you just dropped into a zone and you prevented him from getting outside of the pocket, eventually it would sort of collapse and you might get him down on the ground. But even if you didn't, you were asking him to make a pinpoint throw between the zone and he could not always do that. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't, but he was inconsistent, which meant that the third downs didn't always get converted. I think with a guy like Mertz, you expect him to be able to make the throw against the zone, at least on a regular basis, if that's all he gets. But you also expect him to struggle when the blitz comes. Well, what's one of the ways that you that you counter the blitz? Screen passes, right? What's another way you do it? You have a running back who's an outlet if the blitzer doesn't come, or at least if the blitzer doesn't come in his hole, and he doesn't necessarily have to pick up that guy. So um, – you know, I, I think a lot of it's going to depend on what they think they have on the outside and what the matchups are going to be because, yes, there will be a lot more to the running back. I think the reason they're doing that is they they've identified the running back as a place where they feel like they have a strategic advantage. And so one of the reasons why we might be seeing them have two running backs in the backfield is so that when there is a blitz, they're not limited to having to go just to their wide receivers on hot routes. They'll probably have adjustments on either side, depending upon which side the blitz comes from, to where they'll have a running back stay in and block and a running back who goes out into the pass pattern. And all of a sudden, now you get a running back on a linebacker in a, in a matchup that you like that's favorable. So, yeah, I, I think obviously the fact that these guys are – are that, that Nunez and then Mertz are less – are less mobile than than Levi Lewis and Anthony Richardson plays a role in terms of where the ball goes if for no other reason because it has to go out quicker right I mean you think about the you think about the play Richardson made years ago I think it was against USF where he like drifted left drifted left drifted (laughs) left and then just threw a laser to a wide receiver right over the defensive back we aren't going to see that this year right but I don't know that we want to see it what we want to see is before the guy starts drifting left, when the running back flashes right in front of his face, he just goes, oh, I got a man-on-man matchup here with a running back who's really good. I'm just going to hit him in stride five yards in front of me, gain eight yards, and live to see second and two, live to see third and one, live to see the chains move because you got seven or eight yards on that play. And and that's just the reality is that this, this offense is going to be less explosive Um, overall, but I think we'll have an opportunity to be more consistent because the throws are going to be shorter and the running backs are going to be more involved. Yeah, I'm I'm
0: eager to see it. I mean, we're we're hearing the whispers that the offense is going to be a a little more open. The running back passing game is part of that. I see in the comment section as well, uses of the tight ends. Of course, we want to see that. Hopefully, we get to hear from some tight ends at some point. Uh, that th- this fall camp, uh, you know, in-, in-, in that position group and how they're coming along, but yeah, uh, I don't think this offense is going to be quite as conservative as mainly thought, but it's still going to be run first, I think, but maybe not as run heavy, uh, as long as Graham Mertz and these receivers and these running backs inside the backfield can carry this offense from that angle. So, all right, let's switch position. Let's switch uh, size of the ball, and let's hear from R.J. Moten, uh, the transfer from Michigan, comes in. It's going to be a big part of that safety group, and you know, kind of going back to the beginning of the episode where Billy Napier is calling out open field tackling. Well, you hope Moten can come in and be a big part of you're know, trying to fix that there in this backfield for the uh, uh, for, for, for the safety room, uh, the defensive backfield as a whole. Uh, but let's hear from Moten for the first time and how he fits and also Armstrong's defense.
6: I'm very versatile um, and to see how his defense, you know, I'll be matched up against, you know, in the slot on tight ends, uh, on running backs, you know, in the box, uh, in the post and, and shoot all over the field really. So uh, his defense just allows me to maximize my talent.
4: Praise your communication ability and your football IQ. Yeah. What, what do you do? You take pride in that, and how, how would you kind of assess
6: that? No, yeah, I definitely take pride in it. I definitely think um, my knowledge and understanding for defense is uh, is definitely a big key. But um, every time on the field, I think that's you know one of the main components as a as a good defense. You know, you got to have good communication, and I think you know it comes from the safety because I technically I see everything. You know, what I mean, and to be able to. Uh, have, you know, my teammates, you know, know, see that I'm communicating at a high level. Um, that definitely, that definitely warms my heart.
4: Looking at your career, there's been a lot of forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, how much of a nose of the football you have, and how much is that, you feel like that's a part of your game in terms of takeaways?
6: oh uh, no, yeah. Uh, I, especially, you know, everybody loves punch out, everybody loves picks. But, you know, the key is not to go out on the field and, like, try to make them. Like, when those moments come, you have to let those moments come to you, and then you go ahead and make them.
0: Uh, Well, there we go. We hear from Moten a little little bit and how versatile he is. And I I went back, Will, and I'm going to read an article from MLive, uh, Michigan website about Moten. And this was right before the TCU debacle uh, from Michigan. Uh, But it was, you know, his his playing time did dwindle uh, late in the season there for Michigan. And this article goes on to say, junior safety R.J. Moton was participating in drills with the linebackers, which appeared to be an important development heading into Saturday's Fiesta Bowl against TCU. Now he did not play in that game, by the way. So I probably should, you know, I, I should put that here at the beginning of this. So uh, kind of odd, but you know they were they were moving him all around here. Uh, but it goes on to say, however, co-defensive coordinators Jesse Mentor and Steve Klinkscale said that. Uh, that has been status quo for the six foot, two hundred and twenty three pounder all season. Uh, he's been playing dime and safety all year. So certain days I let him do linebacker, and he still gets safety reps. Clint Skill said um, we've done it all year because a lot of our packages, he's a guy that we can put down in the box, and he understands the fits. He's really good about learning the dime position, which is really the boundary safety position. Uh, sophomore Rod Moore and junior McCarrie Page have solidified themselves as Michigan's primary high safeties, but Moten has also played there for most of his college career. Uh, I guess an air-raid offense like TCU's that features dual-threat quarterback Max Duggan and explosive receivers, uh, Michigan could deploy more dime packages Saturday with extra defensive backs on the field. With Moten's safety experience paired with his size and physicality, interest says he brings a lot of versatile- versatility to the defense. Quote, he's a jack of all trades, Minter said. He has a body that can play anywhere from safety, dime, linebacker, nickel. He's played all of those different spots for us this year. I think as a chess piece, like when teams are throwing the ball more and spread out, he's better closer to the line of scrimmage. But he's also capable of playing back at safety, and he's done that all year for us. He's a guy, as you gain more time and prep between the last game and the playoff game, you say, okay, where do we need depth? Where do we need create value for guys? His ability to play multiple positions has really upped his value through the defense. Uh, Moten had 31 tackles, two sacks, an interception last season. Uh, has been open to playing anywhere since he arrived on campus as a four-star prospect in the 2020 class. He was recruited to play the Viper position, a hybrid linebacker safety role in former defensive coordinator Don Brown's scheme. While the Viper included more of a pass-rushing component, Moten still has frequently lined up in the box in 2022. According to Pro Football Focus, he's lined up in the box on 140 of his 426 defensive snaps, while 219 snaps have been at safety. Uh, Moten basically spoke to his versatility. Uh, he played in just 23 snaps in the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue. That was his lowest as October 29th against Michigan State. Uh, but they said he still remains a valuable piece of the Michigan defense. So, Will, taking all that into account... He didn't even play in the TCU game, even in this long article. <laughs> everybody talking about him. He never even played in the game. Um, Which is probably play.
1: good for him, right? Yeah, like yeah, we, like we're not looking at that going, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, he was not part of that debacle. And I'm not going to sit here and say he would have made it any better for Michigan, but he was not part of that TCU debate um, uh, debacle for michigan uh there so it is going to be interesting for all intents and purposes he looks to be more of a safety for florida but it does sound interesting that he can play closer to the box if needed to that they slide to a nickel roll at times if need to that dime piece that they that that they need to uh up in the box safety certainly seems like a possibility he can cover pretty well the pro football focus had moton with 254 snaps in coverage only giving up 13 receptions for 103 yards uh, where he needs to get better, and where the worry comes, is tackling <laughs> and tackling in open space. He, that was part of the issue there at Michigan, uh, and it was an issue in the first scrimmage for the Gators. Uh, you know, he could whiff there at times. So, hopefully, a new look, new defensive coordinator, kind of you know, they, they, they like being closer to the box there at Michigan. Hopefully, that kind of just bleeds over into what we see here at Florida.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do with him. I mean, you look at it, he's 29 career games with 15 starts at safety at Michigan. <laughs> and you look at the rest of the safety room for Florida, Miguel Mitchell and Kamari Wilson have three starts between them. Uh, Mitchell started against South Carolina. Kamari Wilson got two starts last year. Nobody else has any starting experience <laughs> at the safety position. In fact, Manny Nunnery, who's going to be playing linebacker this year, has more starts at safety than anybody else on Florida's roster other than <laughs> Moten. So – um, yeah. He's going to get a lot of playing time and they need it because he's sort of that Cam Carroll guy. Who's got the experience on the defensive side of the ball. Who's hopefully going to be able to calm things down when things go bad. Did we see anything last year from the safeties that make us think that, uh, that tackling with those guys, isn't going to be something that they're going to be working on as well. Yeah. Um, no. And so, you know, Hey, there's a guy who has to work on something in his game. I'm not really all that, all that, obsessed with it. I think what we what it does mean is we need to take a look at the overall defensive back room and go, look, Jason Marshall, we expect to be good. You've got Kimber and Devin Moore sort of fighting it out for the other corner position. It looks like Jadon Hill, who's going to be on the inside there. Jadarius Perkins kind of might be a guy who plays some some kind of safety in some capacity um you know but but at the end of the day they're going to need Moten to be a significant portion of what they do um and I don't think it's going to be him up in the box in fact if you've got him up in the box that's probably a bad sign because one of the things is you're really hoping even with the injury to Boone you're really hoping the defensive line is going to take a major step forward with Cam Jackson and Caleb Caleb Banks coming in as as transfers with Des Watson, Chris McClellan coming back and Newman Mealan and Tyreek Sapp. You hope that's going to be a a strength for the defense, which will sort of ease things up on the on the safeties. What's really happened the last few years is that Florida's linebacker play has been so bad that the safeties have had to cover up some of those holes. Mm -hmm. And, And they haven't been good enough to do that. I'm not sure that this safety group is good enough to do that either, but I think the linebacker room is a lot better when you consider Wingo coming back, and then you got Taraja Mitchell, Shamar James. And Manny Nunnery there at the linebacker position, I think what you're going to see is each group is better than it was last year and is sort of able to support each other. So it's not just a massive catastrophic failure throughout the entire defense, because let's be honest, I mean, there were quarterbacks who just never got touched last year. And I don't care who your defensive backs are. They're going to struggle to cover and they're going to struggle to stay with receivers and they're going to take chances they shouldn't, which means they're going to miss tackles that they shouldn't because they know that if they don't make the big play, if they don't get the turnover, the defense isn't going to get off the field. So that'll be the thing that I think we need to look for for Moten. You know, everybody emphasizes turnover, stripping the ball, going after trying to punch it out. That's all important stuff. And you want to do it when you get the opportunity, but you don't want to rely on that as your sole means of stopping the opposition. And so, um, is Moten going to make this a lockdown safety group? No, I don't necessarily think so. Is he going to miss some tackles? Probably he'll miss some. The question will be, are there just some balls that get thrown up as ducks over the course of the year because the defensive line has done its job? And yeah, the safeties got beat, but it doesn't matter because the quarterback had to rush the ball out of there. That just didn't happen very much really over the last three years. And so um, it's going to be everybody working in conjunction that makes his mm-hmm. defense better. Moten brings a lot of skills to the table, but he also has some warts. If he didn't have warts he'd be starting at Michigan or he'd be in the NFL by now right that's that's the thing is he's at a position now where he's spent enough years in college that if he had shown out to have that next level ability he'd be in the NFL and so it's going to be up to Austin Armstrong to figure out how to shield the limitations that he has but then also to to leverage the experience that he has in order to get the most effective play back there.
0: Yeah, hopefully there's a lot less one on one and breaking down tackle situations for the <laughs> for the defensive backfield. Hopefully your defensive line, your linebackers limit those opportunities for those safeties to be in those positions. Uh, but it's going to happen. I mean, there's going to be offenses out there that put them in a lot of one on one situations, and those guys are going to have to go out there prove they can make those tackles in the open field. Uh, you know, the 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 pretty much um, negative takeaway there from Billy Napier in that first scrimmage. Hopefully uh, we start hearing as Fall camp progresses. First game coming up soon. We hear uh, the Gators can make some steps in those directions. So all right, good to hear from R.J. Moton to transfer for the first time. Also, Cam Carroll transfer from Tulane uh, right there for the first time as well as Gators. Excited to see what those guys bring to the field. A lot of experience, of course, from both those guys coming to the Gators this year. So, Will, I uh, know you released it this morning on Tuesday. Before we wrap up here on this episode of Gators, break down your – Tennessee toss up, uh, and I think uh, I think it was pretty positive
1: for the Gators. Yeah, I mean, so this whole series is meant to be positive. So for those who weren't who weren't tuned in last week, we're, I'm doing a series called toss ups. And so Nick, for our preseason magazine, we put together we we listed who we thought w- sure wins were, sure losses were, and then games that were toss ups. And when you looked at nick and i we had completely different toss-ups for each team but um i started thinking about it i said well you know we sit here and we pick apart the florida roster over and over and over again because that's what we do right that's who we know and that and that's what we're trying to do we're looking at these running backs oh rj moton he struggles with tackling or etn we can't have him kick return that sort of stuff but who does that for the opposition like who looked like when we're when we're putting tennessee as second in the east like are we overlooking some of their holes and one of the things is when i went back and looked at it they got four guys on their roster from their 2021 recruiting class and that's the that that recruiting class from 3 years ago is the one that normally really pays off in in this season right so the 2023 season it's always that 2021 recruiting class that leads the way next year it'll be the 2022 recruiting class Now, josh heupel got a little bit of a raw deal just because jeremy pruitt got fired for the mcnugget stuff and and heupel (laughs) came in late he wasn't until like five days before early sign or before national signing day not early signing early early signing day had already passed so those were not his guys who got brought in so i'm not blaming him for the attrition but that doesn't change the fact that they got four guys four guys from their 2021 class who are still on the roster. They've brought in a ton of guys on, they brought in, brought in a ton of transfers, but even when you look at 21, 22, and 23, they've only brought in 12 transfers on the defensive side of the ball. So typical recruiting class, you've got you know anywhere between 12, 13, 14 guys on the defensive side of the ball out of the 24, 25, 26 guys you bring in. They've managed to replace that class through the transfer portal but a bunch of those are guys they brought in this year. So 36 of their of their guys, th- their defense is basically really really thin. And if you look at Hypels and the job he did at UCF, they were really good offensively every year he was there, but they got worse defensively every year he was there. And so now you got to start asking the question, all right? Like is he able to evaluate the defensive side of the ball? these aren't his guys who are coming in, but he's sort of in that situation where in the third year, a lot of guys take a step back. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that there, there are, there is reason to believe that last year was a carryover from Hypel being able to get all he could out of Hindenhooker and glossing over some of the holes that they have on the defensive side of the ball. If those holes end up being, being more significant this year and the defense takes a step back. And then if Joe Milton can't, Replicate what they got from Hinton and Hooker. And that doesn't even mean Joe Milton's bad. It just means if he can't replicate what Hooker did, and Hooker was a Heisman candidate until right at the very end and the loss to South Carolina, if he can't replicate that, well, now you've got a team that isn't necessarily going to be this eleven and two juggernaut that's beating people fifty to fifty to ten. And when you looked at their defense last year, they gave up—they they faced six teams that were in I think the top fifty of overall offenses, and they gave up thirty-five points a game. And then when they faced teams that were 60th or worse, and they faced, I think, like five that were worse than 90th, they gave up 10 points per game. So they feasted on poor defenses, and they struggled against—I'm sorry, they feasted against poor offenses, Mm -hmm. and they struggled against elite offenses. And so, you know, look, is Florida going to be elite on offense? I don't think so. But can Florida be in like that 40th or 50th range in terms of offense, especially with the running backs that we've talked about tonight? I think that's entirely possible, which means you're looking at a team coming into the swamp that I'm anticipating is going to give up somewhere between 28 and 35 points. And you score 28 to 35 points, you're going to have a shot to win. Doesn't mean Florida's going to win. Their defense was bad last year too. There's a lot of holes there, right? But but everybody's penciling in Tennessee as the number two team in the in the East because of what they did last year. And they're forgetting that just about everybody takes a step back in year three. That's even, that's been exacerbated even more by the transfer portal. And Tennessee just got absolutely strafed with that 2011 recruiting class or 2021 recruiting class. And the 2022 recruiting class wasn't great. And so, you know, I'm sitting here looking at it going, Tennessee ain't the more talented team. Like. On the offensive side of the ball, they might have a better quarterback, and that always makes a difference. So if Milton comes out and it's just absolutely lights out, yeah, Florida's going to struggle. But you're making a lot of assumptions when you start saying that Tennessee has surpassed Florida as a program. I think what it really is is Florida's one year behind where Tennessee was last year. But we all saw what Tennessee did last year, right? And so there's a possibility that is going to be better than we thought and a possibility that Tennessee's going to take a step back. So, so that's what the article's about, and we're going to be looking at, uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at a bunch of different games like that. Looked at Utah last week, quarterback position specifically, and actually, interestingly, Utah lost their number two quarterback in in practice yeah. this week. So now all of a sudden you've got a yeah. potential potentially hobbled rising the second quarterbacks out and now you got the same guy who really struggled in that Rose bowl last year when rising got injured. And so, you know, look, everybody's got holes this time of year. Everybody's got unknowns this kind of year, this time of year. We all think we know, but it's interesting. The AP 25, the AP top 25 came out today and I saw somebody tweet that only 10, 10, of the teams that were in the top 25 last year wound up in the top 25 at the end of the year. (laughs) And so we think about college football as like this entity where it's always the big guys who are up at the top and you know, that, that those, that those teams are always there and that the top 25 is just sort of a given. And that when you fall out of the top 25, like, Oh, that must've been a terrible season and that sort of stuff. But the reality is, is that, you know, at least 50% of the teams are in the top 25 are going to drop out. And so Tennessee's four, I think, Tennessee's twelve, Utah's fourteen. Um, you know they may be the two who we look at, and when they've gone, you know eight and five this year, go wow, that was a really disappointing season compared to where they started. And uh, you know hopefully Florida's up there higher than them at the end of the season.
0: Absolutely, hopefully at least the the scoreboard's higher for them when the, <laughs> those two nights in September uh, when Florida plays Utah and Florida plays Tennessee. So ah uh, well, good stuff. I think you know on that opponent thing, I think I'm going to do that. Uh, you know tease it couple of weeks ago just get all the um opposing coaches thoughts on florida's opponents so that will probably be uh, part of uh, uh episode next week there uh, as we are not too far away from game days so the days are the, the days are dwindling down and the number of episodes before florida in utah play are dwindling down so i'm trying to have to look forward a couple of weeks and try to map out these episodes because that Thursday night game is throwing me for a doozy and trying to keep up with a normal schedule. And that's not really going to happen with a Thursday night game. So plenty, plenty to get into right there uh, for Florida and Utah coming up. So all right, will, anything else, man?
1: No, nah, just, we are putting out some extra content for the magazine sometime this week. I think it's going to be Thursday. Okay. If you already bought it, if you already bought it, it'll be coming your way in digital form. If you haven't bought it yet, you can go to readreaction.com slash Mag purchase a digital copy. That's all we got left at this point, but there will be extra content. Broke down Austin Strong's defense and some of the plays that he had last year in the in the game against Louisiana. So that was kind of fun to go go do and take a look at that.
0: There we go. Readingreaction dot slash mag first, your updated Read and Reaction preseason magazine so all right for will miles you can find him on twitter x at will miles scc i am your host of gators breakdown david waters you can find me i'm just gonna say social media from now on, on social media at gator Dave underscore scc guys and girls out there thanks for listening to this episode of gators breakdown